Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. That Raise your hand if you remember that. Yes, I heard from some of you thanking me for addressing that topic. Uh, I think it was May I preached a sermon series called Money, Sex, and Power, and there were quite a, f- a few other sermons that year that were really uh, heavy in content. And sometimes when I prepare sermons, uh, it really is a spiritual exercise for me. God speaks to me in the preparation of it. And sometimes the research can take me to some dark places, as you can imagine with some of those topics. Um, Also that year, around about that time, there were several pastors in the U.S. that had taken their own lives. And being that I'm a pastor, that, that hit me really hard. Um, that year, an influential author whom I had met before, I didn't know personally, but hadn't met them, had passed away, and she was my age. That hit me. It's like, oh man, it was just totally unexpected. What seemed like a normal sickness ended up in the hospital and then passed away. There were stresses on the job, just like you have stresses on the job. There were challenges at that time within our staff I was trying to navigate and lead us through. Um, there were some serious difficulties going on in my family back in Texas, and I'm like 1,500 miles away, so that was, that was really hard to try to help from a distance and watch what was occurring. And as a result of, and that's just scratching the surface, by the way, of that, um, I started to experience some, some physical illness, all I think as a result of the anxiety and the stress that I was experiencing. And, and I had uh, begun to have anxiety attacks. I didn't know what that was. I'd never had one of those before. I mean, I mean I'd heard of others having that, of course. It, it looked like for me a shortness of breath, um, my heart racing, just sitting still, <laughs> um, a, a sense of impending doom, like the world was just caving in all around you. It was just darkness, felt like darkness. At my worst, I had thoughts that I just wanted to die. Uh, it was hard. I, the one specific time I remember, and this was sort of the culmination of all this, um, it was Friday night. I usually try to finish up my sermon on Friday morning, try to by lunch. Um, it doesn't always happen, and it didn't happen this day. I, I wasn't done. Normally, Friday night, I go out and eat with the family. We go out to eat on a typical Friday night, and I've the work week is over. I put it behind me. Saturday, you know, I can just kind of rest with the family, do things around the house, and then come back on Sunday ready to go. Uh, I wasn't done with the sermon, and that stressed me out all the more. Just something simple like that. And it, and it caused an anxiety attack as we were sitting in Cracker Barrel. And you're supposed to feel good in Cracker Barrel. <laughs> uh, eating that good southern food, but... Uh, it, I wasn't feeling good. I had an anxiety attack where I was feeling all those things I just described to you. And I, was t- I told my wife that's what I was experiencing. And she just kind of helped walk me 
through it and help me to step outside of it. This is what is happening to you right now. And you're going to just take deep breaths, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. And I, and I finally got my composure and said, okay, I got to go to the church. I'm going to finish my sermon and then I'll be home. I did that. And on my drive home, there was a song on the radio. I don't even remember what the song was. It was a, it was a Christian song. Um, and God just began to speak to me. And I just broke down uh, crying on the way home in the car. Almost, it, it got so uncontrollable that I almost had to pull over on the side of the road. But I did. I made it home. I pulled in front of her house. I parked. And I just continued to release all of the stuff that I had accumulated inside and was carrying around in my body. It was all coming out. It was coming out physically. It was coming out spiritually as I just called out on the Lord and and prayed for him to help me. Uh, I do remember specifically praying, God, forgive me that I'm not a better husband. I'm not a better pastor. I'm not this, you know, all that. And, And I just heard God say to me, David, shh. I forgave you a long time ago. And I love you. And I'm here with you. And I can deliver you. I remember after that, that bodily, physical, spiritual release, feeling lighter. I walked back in the house and I knew something had changed. And I know it doesn't always happen that way for people, but that's, that is the way that it happened for me. And I've been on a different track since then. I, saw, I went and saw my doctor. I talked with him. I started seeing a counselor as well as a spiritual director. Uh, I started learning what was happening, why it was happening, and how to better manage stress and anxiety. I'm not perfect, but I do want to share a little bit of that with you, and I think some things that have helped me. And as you know, because it's the way I am, I had to learn a little bit about the, how the brain works. And what's going on in that brain that would cause us to feel this way? Think about some of this with me. Here's a, here's a drawing. The anxious brain. Uh, basically, there are three parts, and I'm no neuroscientist, and I'm just going to sum up this for us in a way that I think will be helpful uh, to just summarize. Uh, three parts of the brain. That is the neofrontal, prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain, which is for thinking and decision-making. There's the limbic system, which is in the center of the brain that helps to regulate emotions. Uh, Our amygdala is there. You see the little red, looks like a little red bean there, the amygdala. The amygdala is the center for fight, flight, and there's actually another F. You know what it is? Freeze. I experienced that when I was, oh, about 11 years old. I was out in the pasture with my grandfather, and there was a cow, a neighboring cow that had got into his pasture. We knew it was a neighboring cow just by the looks at it because it had horns, and he would take the horns off all his cows. And it wasn't a very friendly cow, but I didn't know that. And I was just trying to help, so I went into that particular pasture and was trying to help my grandfather and uncle corral this cow. (laughs) And the last thing I remember was the cow doing this. And looking at me, that was it. The next thing I know, I had been run over by this cow. It had, it had, it had rushed me. And I didn't even have a red blanket, you know. It was like, uh, and it had run me over and my uncle, you know, helped me out. So that, that was a freeze response. My amygdala kicked in and adrenaline was running through my body that it probably helped me actually not to get hurt too bad. I did chip a tooth and the, the dentist had to fix that. But so, so there's the, the neofrontal cortex, which shut down at that moment. I stopped thinking. The limbic system took over, and I froze. 
right? That's what they, how the amygdala responded for me in that moment. And then, of course, there's that third part, which is the brain stem. You can see there the lower part. This is what regulates blood pressure, heart rate, um, helps to send messages out to the rest of the nervous system to get your body to act. But it can also bring about illness, too, uh, as we're going to see here. So what happens when we experience fear and danger, stress, worry, and anxiety is that, as I said, in the limbic system, that amygdala kicks in and we go into survival mode. Now, God created us that way, but as, as we've evolved according to his design and creation, we have developed that neofrontal cortex to think and to reason and, and to not just act on sort of the, what some have referred to as the reptilian brain. Not everything is a tiger that's trying to kill us. Not everything is a bear that's out to get us. You know what I'm saying? And so, but if you can't regulate that and you respond to all of life's challenges, all confrontations, all meetings, things like that, you're not going to think clearly. Mainly, you're just going to be driven by your emotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get that? You've probably experienced some of that or you know someone like that. You see, but the amygdala is only meant to act in short bursts. Like when you're legitimately in danger, not a perceived, just a perceived threat, but an actual threat. But if you're always acting out of the amygdala and always operating on high alert, what happens is the adrenal gland, we get the word adrenaline, starts to pump the hormone cortisol into your veins. That is a stress hormone. If you continually swim in cortisol and anxious thoughts, always acting out of the amygdala, well, we get trapped in that system and it can lead to chronic anxiety and to illness. Do you you hear what I'm saying? This is the pattern that was starting to form in me back in 2019. And then that, so that was my body's response, having these attacks. Something's not right. Something is off kilter uh, in my mind. And this, I could feel it in my body. So, but, but hear me, hear me say this. Worry and anxiety is a normal part of life. Let me say it again. Worry and anxiety is a normal part of life. But hear, hear this. But when we're always in survival mode, that is when everything is a danger around us all the time, we're not able to think clearly. You see, when, again, the amygdala is operating, the prefrontal cortex shuts down. We stop the thinking, we're just feeling we're just responding, reacting. And, and so, so we're not able to think clearly. We're not able to accurately ex- assess the situation. We're not able to cultivate healthy relationships. We're not able to stay calm. We're not able to trust others, to see the good in others. We're not able to experience peace and so forth. And in time, it negatively impacts our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And so if you've lived that way, right, simply... Responding out of that limbic system, out of that amygdala, the fight, flight, or freeze, swimming in the cortisol long enough, it's really going to start to cause some uh, impact, negative impact on your brain and on your body. And sometimes people aren't working at that in healthy ways, and then they get to the point where they need some serious, serious intervention. So I want you to think about that. Worry and anxiety is a normal part of life. But we're not always meant to live in that survival mode constantly. When we do, it leads to unhealth. It negatively impacts mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Uh, in his book, uh, Max Lucado, who's a pretty popular Christian author, 
uh, and a pastor as well. His book, Anxious for Nothing. It's interesting you could read that uh, title a couple different ways. This is, of course, based on Philippians chapter 4, which we read, Anxious for Nothing. Finding calm in a chaotic world. Max Lucatus says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. It's optional. Now, I I do want to say from the get-go, and be very clear about this, that I know that there are some cases where uh, for whatever reason, uh, genetic, chemical imbalance, whatever you want to call it, that people do need help getting out of this prison or stabilizing them. But we, we believe in medicine and miracle here at Grantham Church. But I, I want to I challenge this, try to bring some balance in this conversation. That it's not either or, black or white, you trust the science, you take the meds, you don't question. It's not that. It's not one of these extremes or the other. So we need to think... We also need to have faith. We need to listen to what the Lord is saying to us through the Scriptures. Amen? There certainly uh, comes, comes a point, whether it's genetic or simply, as I said, brought on by long periods of unchecked and unregulated anxiety and emotions, when you might need professional help, including medications. But we should not be quick to resort to meds and quick fixes to get out of the prison of anxiety without first trying with God's help and with others' help to escape it through spiritual disciplines, better life choices, and healthy practices that lead to human flourishing. Because the chances is for most of us that end up in that kind of prison, it didn't happen overnight. It happened through a series of bad decisions of unhealthy life practices that eventually got us there. It's the same thing with our physical weight. If you don't like how you weigh, look, it didn't happen from one Big Mac. Right? It happened from many meals over a long period of time to get you to that place. It's not, fixing the problem isn't going to happen overnight. So, so I get that. I understand that to the desire to want to get out of it. Folks, I've been there. <laughs> if somebody just said, take this, it'll go away, I get that. But if God is leading us to a, a more healthy way to get to this place of healing and of peace of mind... Wouldn't you want to do that? So that's what we want to get at. That's what we want to aim for. Look, let's look more closely at what Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and open our hearts and mind to his spirit-inspired wisdom and advice on how to navigate worry and anxiety. In his book, Locato gives this helpful acrostic. So I just want to show this to you. It's called, say it, Calm. Right, that captures what the spirit, through Paul, is telling us to do when we encounter worry and anxious thoughts. I encourage you to write this down or type it into your notes on your, on your smartphone as we walk through this together. And let's look again at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Let's we'll look at that verse by verse. First, what do we need to do to remember, uh, to, to remember with C? That is, celebrate God's blessings. Listen to what Paul said again, Philippians 4, verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. The NIV says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And you might be thinking, how am I supposed to rejoice when I'm feeling anxious? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Well, what is Paul getting at? Let, let's be clear. Paul often gets a bad rap from people because I think we've misunderstood Paul. and We've not put ourselves in his context and situation. This is a guy who himself knows about anxiety. Shipwreck, snake bitten, you know, left for dead, stoned, thrown in prison. He knows 
about anxiety and stress. Well, I I believe this is what Paul is saying, that we must begin by looking at the master instead of the mess. Look at the master instead of the mess. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So look to the maker. Look to the master, not the mess. Look up to the Lord, not the waves in the storm. We have a a gospel story about that, right? Peter, the brave one, gets out of the boat, walks on the water toward Jesus, but at some point takes his eyes off of Jesus, looks at the water, the waves, the storm, and what does he do? He begins to sink. My friends, it doesn't help us to marinate in worry. Right? It doesn't help us to marinate in the worry. You know, where I often get tripped up here is I have a hard time celebrating, sometimes being present with my family, just taking in the blessings that I see in front of me because coupled with that thought is somewhere, somewhere there's someone who doesn't have a place to live, who doesn't have the life that I have. How can I be happy? And folks, I don't think that that thought is of the Lord. I think it's of, of the enemy. The Lord wants us all to, to live with joy and with peace, to enjoy these things. And, and, and another thing, another thought I often have is with knowing and taking in all of the things that are going on in the world, right? How can I be happy? How can I live at peace when I have my smartphone? I actually don't have it up here with me. But I have more access to information than all of humanity that has come before me in just a matter of seconds. I can know all of the evil and the problems in the world. Do you think that's healthy? Do you think that God ever intended you to be aware of that and of so much? And do you think, and I'm saying this to myself because I've been there, that you worrying about it is doing it any good? Is it making the world a better place? Well, at least I'm worrying about it, so I must care. No, that is a lie of the enemy, and it's not helpful. So let's think about what Paul is saying. Lift our eyes up to the Lord. Put your eyes on the maker, on the master, not the mess. Don't marinate in the worry. Don't fixate on the things that are broken and the things that are wrong. If you really want to help the world and make the world a better place, fix your eyes on Jesus. It will not make you care less about things. It will put things in its proper perspective. Amen? Amen. Don't fix your eyes on the problem, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because in order to celebrate God's blessings, we have to look to the Lord. It shifts our focus away from what is wrong to who is on the throne. Away from the brokenness of earth to the beauty of heaven that is coming to earth. Away from our fears into the one who has been faithful and will save us. In verse 5, Paul says, the Lord is near. That is, He is coming soon. In other words, live with a sense of urgency and know that what you and I are going through is not going to last forever. Amen and hallelujah. It's not going to last forever. So C, celebrate God's blessings. And A, A, ask for help. Ask for help from God and from others. Chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And you may be thinking, well, 
Paul, is it okay to worry on Thursdays? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, don't do it. Don't ever do it. Now, he knows we're going to, but listen to what Paul is saying. In the Greek, it appears that Paul is thinking of ongoing worry and anxiety. Listen to that. And that's actually what got me to where I was in 2019, the ongoing perpetual angst. It's the life, Locato says, it's the life of perpetual anxiety that Paul wants to address. Don't let anything uh, in life leave you perpetually in angst. This is part of the purpose of Sabbath, right? To rest, to detach, to put the phone down. God help me. (laughs) I need to do that. To put it down, to turn it off, to step away, to remember who the maker is instead of focusing on the mess. That way, folks, you see, Sabbath isn't simply some obligation. That's the way the Pharisees looked at it. Sabbath is a gift. And part of our purpose and reason in coming into worship today is to be reminded of who is on the throne and who is not. Who is with us, never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. There's no way we'll ever be separated from his love. And to know that the gospel is the narrative in which we are living into Not the narrative of fear and of hate and of anger and polarization and what else is out there in the world today. So what do we do? We take our anxious thoughts to the Lord. We ask for help. It requires that we we notice and interrupt our anxious thoughts when they bubble up, when they arise, and we replace them with the truth. Maybe a memorized scripture. I've already started mem- trying working at memorizing Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9 as a way of doing this. Right? We, we, maybe a memorized scripture. Maybe a, a, a memorized prayer that's ready to go when the anxiety comes. We're ready to go when the unwanted thoughts come. And we say, wait a minute. Stop right there. Hold it right there. This is Jesus' house. <laughs> Jesus lives here. We're ready to go. We're ready to take it to the Lord and ask for help. We use gratitude. Listen, look at what Paul says there in verse 6. We use gratitude to access God's peace. You see, with, with the way our brains work, worry and anxiety cannot occupy the same space as thankfulness. It can't occupy the same. When gratitude walks in, anxiety has to walk out. Try it. Try it. Of course, asking for God's help can also come through others. As I shared earlier, we we may need to talk to a pastor. Maybe talk to a trusted believer or see a Christian counselor and therapist or someone who can help us process what we're thinking and feeling. God can use others to help us work through our anxiety because bottling it up and going at it alone will not help it eventually will catch up with you. I don't care how strong you think you are. You were never meant to carry that stuff alone. Also, also getting counsel from other anxious people, that's not going to help either. We need to go to the Prince of Peace, seek out his people of peace to help us receive that peace of Jesus ourselves. Who are those people in your life? Who comes to mind? Who is a person of peace and your life to help you on this journey so that you can help win, help you win the war on worry. So C, celebrate God's blessings. A, ask for help. And then there is L, leave your problems with God.
Verse 7, Paul says, then you will experience God's peace if you do this, which exceeds anything. It surpasses all that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Get a picture of peace guarding your heart and mind. That's wonderful. Gratitude and thankfulness for God's good gifts helps us to access his peace in our life. Notice, it's his peace. That is, it is the Lord himself who will fight for you and work on your behalf. He will take care of the problem. It may take a little time. It may take a little struggle. We're in this together. But he's working behind the scenes. We can trust him. The Lord is on it. You think about it when you take your car to the dealership or to the shop to get worked on. Normally, normal people, except for you know-it-alls, what do you do? You give them the keys and you leave it with them. You don't get, you say, can I go back there and look in there with you and just kind of look over your shoulder? No, you take them the keys, you drop it off, you leave it with the experts. And so we should do with our problems and God. Think about that. Think about that. Just give him the keys and trust him. Let's do this together. Would you raise your right hand? Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I hereby resign as ruler of the universe. Amen. Thank you. Celebrate God's blessings. Ask for help. Leave your problems with God. And lastly, M, meditate on good things. Verse 8 9, Paul said, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Your mind can be a battlefield. Your mind can be a battlefield. It isn't that we don't take on the things that cause anxiety and worry, that we're not involved in the mess of the world. We are. But without retreating to the mountain as Jesus did, without being reminded of who we are in Christ, where our strength comes from, without taking times in the week, and especially on Sunday, to lift your eyes up to the hills and remember where that help comes from, it will overcome you. But it doesn't have to be that way. Your mind's a battlefield, but you can win it. If you want peace to prevail, if you want to win the war and worry, then you must stop feeding the army, Yoda might say it this way, of fear, anger, and hate, because that leads to what? Suffering leads to the dark side. You have to stop feeding the negative assumptions about others. Interrupt those thoughts. That's not what Jesus thinks about them. I have one thought and one opinion only about the other person, and that is that Jesus loves them and thought they were worth dying for. We must not entertain the scary what-ifs all day long. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if what happened to them is eventually going to happen to me? And be shackled by fear and anxiety, dwelling on all the evils, I said, that exist in the world. Instead, listen, church, this is for our good. Instead, you're being invited 
to give those things to God in prayer. And it isn't just something we say. It's something we can really do. We're invited to give those things to God in prayer, create space for meditating on good things. There's a chance you might not find it on TikTok. I don't know how much meditating on, on what is good and holy and pure and lovely is going on there. You might not find it on, on cable news or your favorite news network or doom scrolling or social media. Think about it. How do we create space for meditating on good things? What, what are the good things in your life? Would you think about that for a moment? What are the good things? Now, what's wrong? We all got things that are wrong. What's good? You know, the scripture says every good and perfect gift is from above. God's gift to you. There's a hymn that we used to sing as I grew up Baptist in the Baptist church. There's a hymn we would sing to help us to do this. It went like this. Maybe you know it. If you know it, would you sing it with me? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Brothers and sisters, listen Listen to what our Lord Jesus himself said in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry about these things. What things? Basic things. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. You see, worrying about the most basic needs reveals a lack of trust in the Father. But maybe you could just insert whatever it is there that you're worried about this morning. Would you bring it to the Lord? Bring it to the Lord. Jesus said, these things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. You see, Jesus said, worry is a form of practical atheism. <laughs> but you're not that person. You're a believer. So trust in the Lord. He says, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. That should be your focus. Seek the kingdom. Seek Christ who looks like the kingdom. Live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Simplify the complexities and the anxieties of life by living for Christ in the kingdom. Verse 34, he said, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. There's a note of irony there. He's saying, aren't things hard enough already? Isn't that good? Our Lord says that. Isn't it hard enough already? Don't add more worries or imagined threats or fears of tomorrow to load and to lead your life. Rather, seek the kingdom and trust our loving Father. He cares for the birds. Jesus said this in verses before this. He cares for the birds. He clothes the flowers of the field. How much more will he care for you, his most precious child. Amen. Finally, here are some questions to help us reflect on what God is saying to us and to help us respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, this message entitled Winning the War on Worry, I know that this is an ongoing struggle for many of you. 
Um, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's characterized your whole life. And my heart goes out to you. I understand that until Christ comes, that battle, for a lot of us, will never be over. But what we are promised is that the Lord is with us. He is with you. You're not alone. Look around this room. There are people who love you and care for you and are wanting to walk with you on this journey as we fight this battle together. Amen. Number one, just some questions to reflect and to help us respond. What specific things do you worry about? What is it? What comes to your mind right away? What is it? I worry about this. And just take a moment to name those things before God. Just prayerfully before God. Just name those things. God, I'm anxious. I'm worried about... And you fill in the blank. What is it? Number two. This kind of gets back to the uh, exercise that we did. What is something that you need to stop doing that adds fuel to the fire of your anxious feelings? Oh, don't kid yourself. You know what it is. It may require, though, that you make a sacrifice, that you do something differently, that you believe that in you Christ lives and you have the power to do it. Don't let it control you anymore. What is it that you need to stop doing that's fueling the fire of your anxious feelings? It's worth it. Whatever it is that you need to do, it's worth it. And then lastly, number three, will you respond to worry by practicing calm? You respond to worry by celebrating God's blessings, by asking God and others for help, by leaving your problems with the Lord and meditating on good things. How is God inviting you to do that? What would it look like for you to purposely pursue joy? Let's do that together. Father, help us. We know that we're not alone. And And that's good because we know we can't do this by ourselves. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit would work in us and through us. Encourage us. Remind us that we're not alone. Remind us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, you are greater than our worries and our anxieties. And though we may struggle in this life, even may be a thorn in our flesh, Your strength is made perfect in weakness. Be our strength today. Lord, we love you. Your servants are listening. Help us to respond now in faith. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.